Good to see you all. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to a Vineyard Christmas. Well, um, today's a Sunday, and we're glad that you're here, and um, especially want to um, greet our guests. Thanks for coming and be a part of who we are. Uh, we're a fun community, and we enjoy the presence of God, and we enjoy each other's company. So tonight, to, well, it feels like tonight, but this afternoon's service is a bit different because it's all focused around Christmas, and um, we'll be singing Christmas carols, so it'll be a little bit different than we normally do. But we're still going to be anticipant of the Holy Spirit coming and touching us and being a part of, of, of this time. So I'll open up in prayer. Lord Jesus, just thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that we anticipate um, looking at you and being with you and being with one another. And Father, we pray that your spirit would be in, in our midst, working, comforting, healing, um, touching us, Father, in the places that we need you most. In Jesus' name, amen. Long ago, in a town called Nazareth, there lived a young woman named Mary. One day a great light appeared, and the angel Gabriel stood before her. Do not be afraid. I bring you joyful news. God has chosen you to be the mother of his son. You will have a baby, and you must call him Jesus. In the same town, there lived a carpenter named Joseph. Joseph loved Mary very much. He was going to marry her. The angel came to visit Joseph and told him that Mary was going to have God's son. Later, Joseph came to see Mary and told her what the angel had said. One day, a message came from the governor of the land. All of the people had to go back to the place where they had been born so they could be counted. Joseph was worried. He and Mary would have to go to Bethlehem. That was a long way away. And Mary was almost ready to have her baby. They set off early the next morning. Joseph led the way. Mary rode on a donkey. The road was long and hard. They didn't reach Bethlehem until the evening. The town was full of people. Joseph tried everywhere to find a place to stay, but all the rooms were taken. Mary was so tired, she could hardly stay awake. At last, an innkeeper said, All my rooms are full, but you can use my stable. It is clean and warm in there. Joseph thanked him, and they went inside. All around them, cows and donkeys lay peacefully asleep. The hay was soft and smelled sweet. Mary and Joseph lay down and rested. In the night, Mary gave birth to her baby. It was a boy, as the angel had said. They named him Jesus. Mary wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger where it was soft and warm. Mary and Joseph watched over Jesus lovingly. 
they knew he was a very special baby. On a hillside above the town, some shepherds were looking after their sheep. Suddenly, the sky was filled with light, and an angel appeared. The shepherds fell to the ground in fear, but the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Today a child is born. He is the Son of God. You will find him in Bethlehem, lying in a manger. The shepherds gazed in wonder as the sky was filled with angels singing. We must go and find this child. We can take one of our newborn lambs as a gift. They went to Bethlehem and found Jesus in the stable with Mary and Joseph. They fell to their knees and offered their gift. Far away in an eastern land lived some wise men. One night they saw a bright new star in the sky. They wanted to know what it meant. They looked in their books for the answer. It means that a new king has been born. We must go and look for him so that we can worship him. The star will guide us. The wise men set off on their journey. The star shone brightly in front of them by day and by night. They came to the palace of King Herod, who said to them, You must find the new king. Then tell, tell me where he is. King Herod was not very pleased. The wise men A bright star has guided us from afar. Joseph led them into the stable. They knelt before Jesus and offered him some very special gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The next day, the wise men set, off, set out for King Herod's palace. They stopped to rest, and while they were asleep, an angel came to them in a dream. Do not go back to Herod. He does not want Jesus to be king. The wise men decided to go home a different way. Mary and Joseph were very happy and proud. They knew their baby was really the Son of God. They knew he was very special and that he would have important work to do when he grew up. They also knew that Jesus would be loved throughout the world and that people would remember his birth as a time of happiness and peace.
know, Randy and I have been blessed with five daughters. And you may not know this, that um, most of the time I've been able to be a stay-at-home mom. So in order to live within a budget, you have to get creative sometimes on how you're going to make ends meet. So one of the decisions that Randy and I made early on was that we were going to train our daughters not to expect elaborate and lots of gifts as some of their friends were accustomed to. So for Christmas, no matter what the situation, whether we were abundantly or leanly benefited financially, the kids would expect one gift from mom and dad. And their birthdays, they would get <coughs> gifts, of course, but they usually were practical gifts like new shoes or a pair of jeans. And instead of the girls expecting a birthday party with their friends every year, we would um, tell them the privilege was they would get a big birthday party when they were 5, 10, or 15. So on December the 31st, our youngest daughter is going to be turning 15, and she's very excited about it because she's going to have a big New Year's Eve birthday party. And if you haven't been invited, you are invited. Um, anyway, it's the big day for her because it's going to be her birthday. Can't wait to everybody rise. Oh, I'm finally 15. I've been waiting for this day for like forever. It's only been 15 years, really. Stop here. Am I, do you think I'll get lots of like, lots of earrings? I really want lots of earrings. I'm just sad I have to wait like a whole like six weeks before I can have to wear them. Happy birthday,
that's really more real than you think. <laughs> that's great. Um, as I was preparing for Christmas, I kept finding myself getting so busy that I was starting to feel like I was Xing Christ out of the Christmas myself with all the extra things that have become traditions now. You know, Christmas letters, Christmas cards, Christmas cookies, Christmas decorations, Christmas sermon, Christmas parties. Even though everything had the word Christmas in it, I felt like it was starting to ignore the obvious, Christ. So I want to thank you each for making the opportunity to come and focus our time on Christ um, during this season. Uh, this afternoon, I'm going to share uh, a Christmas story that you guys have heard before. We actually heard part of it um, earlier. It's a Christmas uh, story for the children. And it's the story of the Magi, who were Persian astrologers who followed a star from modern um, Iran to the, all the way to Israel. And we're going to read these words from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, if you talk to people about spiritual things, and I often have an opportunity to do that, it's amazing the variety of ways that people experience God. Because God is the creator of this world, many people experience something about God by being out in nature. Now, I have a friend who bought uh, property about an hour away from town. And uh, she did that not only because she uh, felt like it was a good price, but she loves the silence of the country. Being in the hill country at the crack of dawn, when everything is still, allows her to feel that she has that opportunity to communicate with God. Now, in the Old Testament, King David, who was probably the most popular king in the Old Testament, uh, wrote in Psalms 19, 1-4, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. So not only can we experience God through nature, but we can experience God through doing good. And all these movie clips, what's in the hand? It was good work. And all these movie clips, except for maybe the last one, it's a special time of year uh, when we do good to others, when people give of themselves to others extravagantly. And it's also time when it's really wrong to be alone. Since God is love, many people experience God when they do good and they serve other people. Why do you think so many folks give to Elf Louise or they give to um, Salvation Army? Because that feeling of being able to help someone else that might need that extra care. God reveals himself to us when we give away to others, when we are involved in acts of service. When you help a stranded motorist, when you help a friend move, when you tutor a child after school, you might find yourself experiencing God. Jesus put it this way. When the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me and I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you've done it to me. Have you ever felt closer to God when you did an act of kindness for someone else? Now all these general experiences of God, whether through nature or through service or through relationships, all of them are just general experiences of God. However wonderful they are, they are meant to lead us to somewhere. They're meant to lead us to someone. It's not the intention of God to leave us with vague spiritual feelings or even a sense of wonder and awe. God wants us to know him. Nature, acts of service, and community, these are all signposts meant to point themselves to something greater, to a specific God who exists. So in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, we read, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now there's a whole lot of questions not answered concerning these Magi. There's nothing in this story that tells us they were kings. We don't know their names. We don't know exactly where they're from. And we don't know that there were just three of them. And we don't know what they saw in the sky whether it was a confluence of planets coming together, as some have suggested, or a supernova that was recorded in ancient Chinese documents um, that was taken place between 5 B.C. and 4 B.C. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But most scholars seem to recognize that these magi belong to the priestly caste of Eastern astrologers. And in those ancient histories, magi are found in either Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, or Persia, which is modern-day Iran. The magi, this priestly caste, used to be involved in astrology and dream interpretation as well as uh, predicting the future. It was also widely believed in the ancient world that when a certain star appeared, that meant a world ruler was being born. So these astrologers were not satisfied with some vague spirituality, a generic belief in God, a feeling of God in nature, or even in family gatherings. These astrologers were not satisfied with season greetings and best wishes this holiday season. They wanted to focus their spiritual discoveries on a specific person. They saw the star or some confluent of the planets, and they realized that the world ruler the ancient world had been waiting for had been born. So they asked, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? In short, these magi followed the light that they had all the way to Christ. Now we see in the story three different reactions to the birth of Christ. First of all, we have the reaction of King Herod who was threatened by the birth of Christ. Here's what we read in Matthew 2, verses 3 and 4. When King Herod heard thus, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah that was to be born? When Jesus was born, the nation of Israel was under Roman rule. Herod the Great enforced Roman rule at the local level. And Herod the Great had declared himself to be the king of the Jews. He was known for his paranoia regarding the protection of his throne. He killed two of his brother-in-laws. He killed his wife. And he killed two of his sons. There was a saying at the time of Jesus' birth that it was better to be one of Herod's dogs than to be one of his sons. Five days before he died, he ordered the arrest of many citizens and decreed that they be executed on the day of his death in order to guarantee a proper atmosphere of mourning in the country when he died. The political climate in the time of Jesus' birth resembled that of Russia during the 1930s under Stalin. Citizens couldn't gather in public meetings, there were spies everywhere, and people were constantly reporting rumors of political insurrection and rebellion to King Herod. And so what do you think King Herod experienced when he heard from the Magi this statement? Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. You know, it's not just the ancient King Herod 2,000 years ago that experienced Christ as a threat to his plans and security. Today, many people experience Christ as a threat to their well-being and their happiness. When I became a Christian, my parents were threatened by that. They were confident it would destroy our family. What does all this have to do with you and me? Why would you and I be threatened by a baby? Why would we be threatened by Jesus this Christmas? There is a little keen Herod that lives inside each one of our hearts. A little keen Herod who reigns over the kingdom, a self, and who is threatened, deeply threatened, by the claims of Jesus Christ to be the only king. The issue for many of us is that keeps us from becoming followers of Christ is the issue of control. And is that true for you? Would other people close to you say you have a control issue? You don't want anyone else to call the shots. You don't want anyone else telling you what to do. I have a kingdom of Clara where I reign. And you have a kingdom of John or Bill or Julie or Michelle, whatever your name is. You reign over your little kingdom. And Jesus demands that you become one of his followers. That threatens your reign. Do you know what becomes of a Christian and what it involves? Christ is not just interested in changing you at the surface. He's not offering you a little moral improvement. He's not just wanting to make you nicer. He's not just trying to make you kinder. He's not just trying to make life a little bit better and you be a little bit more giving. Christ wants to enter the deepest part of your being and transform you. Christ is interested in taking total control of your life. Now, for some of us, that is a threatening thought. But you know, everything that God does and he intends to do in your life is good. In fact, God's plan for your life is infinitely better than any plan you might create in your head for yourself. Some people don't experience a feeling of threat from Christ. Some people experience utter indifference and apathy toward Christ. In Matthew 2, 4 to 6, 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets have written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The chief priests and the teachers knew exactly where the Messiah was supposed to be born. The Old Testament contains hundreds of prophecies concerning the birth of the Messiah, and there's the tragedy of it all. Even though they had this knowledge, they were utterly indifferent and apathetic. We don't read about the priests and the teachers joining the Magi in their search for the Christ. The knowledge that they had just sort of slid off of them like water off a duck's back. And this is a warning for us. You know, in the United States, we still are surrounded by the message of Jesus Christ, particularly at Christmas. When I go to the shopping mall or go to get gas in the gas station, I can hear radio on, and I can hear music coming through the speaker, and I can hear Christmas carols. And I don't just mean jingle bells and that kind of song. Anywhere in America when you shop, you're going to hear choir singing, Silent Night, Holy Night. Shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing Alleluia. Christ, the Savior, is born. But you know, even though we may be surrounded by the message, like the teachers and the priests back then, we can become indifferent. And maybe we're suppressing a yawn right now. You know, the New York Magazine last year did an article entitled, Why Publishers Love the Bible. You may not know this, but the Bible is the best-selling book year after year after year. It is virtually impossible to calculate how many Bibles are sold in the United States. But a very conservative estimate would be the number of Bibles sold in the United States alone was 25 million. That is more than twice the number of the recent Harry Potter series. That doesn't take into account the millions and millions of Bibles that are given away for free all over the world. Research has demonstrated that 91% of all Americans have at least one Bible in their home, and the average American home has four Bibles. Friend, this Christmas Eve, you may be a person who was raised in the church, maybe the Roman Catholic Church, or the Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, or maybe the Vineyard. But as you sit here in this Christmas service, you need to admit before God, have I ever personally surrendered my life to Christ? Have I ever experienced the real living God, wonderful person that he is? Have I ever allowed him to really change my life? Let's not be like the priests and the teachers of the law, surrounded by information, but no response. Someone once said, you know, going to the church when I was growing up gave me just enough dead virus to inoculate me for years from catching the real thing. Interesting. It's not enough that your mother or your father or your grandparents are Christians. You need to personally respond to the message of Jesus Christ. The Magis, who were just a thousand miles away, looked for Christ in Bethlehem. The teachers of the laws and the chief priests, who were just an hour walk away, stayed home. Finally, we read in chapter 2, 9 through 12. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen went in rose. Wait, seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. We find in the lives of the Magi the experience of pursuing and finding Christ at Christmas. Those who are near, the religious leaders would not honor Christ, but the Gentiles, the Magi's, who were far away living in Persia, decided to bow before Christ and give him gifts. Now, all the gifts that were given were very costly. It says they presented them him with gifts of gold. And gold signifies all earthly possession, their bank accounts, their investments, their properties. All of it was yielded to Christ and for his service. Incense, or in some translations, frankincense, is a gift that people gave to the gods. In Roman temples, the Magi used to burn frankincense on silver platters as they offered their prayers to God. And myrrh was an expensive spice that was used for embalming by the ancient Egyptians. Perhaps the gift of myrrh pointed prophetically to the future death of Jesus on a cross as a sacrifice for your sins and my sins. You know, many people are kept from experiencing Jesus at Christmas because they are afraid of what they're going to have to give up. The Magi, when they came to Christ, gave Christ expensive things. And a lot of people say, I'm not interested in becoming a true follower of Jesus because all of that I've got to give up. Now, if you have a Bible, would you circle a word that is found in verse 10? It is the word overjoyed. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. No one who ever meets Jesus ever feels cheated or ripped off. You know, I've been a Christian for 32 years, and I have to say, I have never had a day where I thought he had ripped me off. At one point when Jesus was in the front of the temple, he shouted to the crowds, I am not a thief. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. There's an old saying that you can never give out the Lord. And I believe that's really true. As I've met hundreds and hundreds and thousands of followers of Christ, I've never met one who was able to tell me truthfully when they gave their lives over to Christ and he, they allowed him to be their forgiver and the ruler of their life, that they said, this bargain turned out badly for me. We always win in the exchange with Christ. Like the Magi, we give Jesus certain things. We give him our anxious hearts and he gives us peace. We give him our sins, and he gives us forgiveness. We give him our depression, and he exchanges it for joy. We trade in our out-of-control lives, and he gives us abundant life. We give him our confusion or our uncertainty about the future, and he gives us a compass by which to live life well. The Magi gave to Jesus various gifts, but nobody can give out Jesus could outgive Jesus. He gave them the fulfillment of their lifelong pursuit, the secret of the meaning of life, and the opportunity to follow him through death and to live eternally with him in God. I want to invite you all to really experience the real Jesus this Christmas. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, 
It's amazing how threatening you can be even when you were a baby and how threatening you can be when you're an adult and how threatening you are through the Holy Spirit when you come to us. And yet, Lord, in the midst of all that threat, there is something that tells us it is so real, you are so good, that we each come to that place where we have the opportunity to yield, to give ourselves over to you. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray if there's anyone in this room that has not yet yielded to you and allowed you to be their Lord and Savior, that tonight that would be their gift to you this Christmas. And Father, for those of us who we have been a bit apathetic, and maybe we yawn, Father, at the Christmas story because we've heard it so many times, we pray, Lord, for you to transform our hearts and make us overjoyed at the thought of being able to serve you and love you and follow you all the days of our life. And Father, I just pray for a conviction to come into our hearts tonight that you would fill us, Lord, with such a deep love and honor and respect to who you really are. We praise you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Has the worship team come up? We're going to light them. We have some people that are coming up to light them. I think.
the first Noel the angel did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay keeping their sheep keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep Noel 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 Born is the King of Israel They looked up and saw 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 Oh 
dawns with the Savior's light. Hope has come. Born is the chosen
to the world the Lord is come let earth receive her King let every heart prepare Him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature Christmas is a very special time, and uh, what a privilege it is that God has uh, so invited us to be a part of um, His life with His Son. And uh, I'm glad that each of you have come to uh, participate together with us. And I just want to pray for us in these next couple of days that we would all uh, know of His great, incredible love. Father, we thank you that you have so provided. Um, such an awesome way uh, to know you and to follow after you. So much love you had for us to send your very own son to come as a baby, so innocent, so humble, so vulnerable. And that's how we often feel sometimes in this life, Lord. Very vulnerable. And I just ask in Jesus' name that as we look to him this Christmas time, that we would find the strength of his life through the power of his Holy Spirit. Father, might we be the light of Christ that is now present in this world. 
as we go from here to see family or friends, as we uh, return to our work tomorrow or as we continue to prepare for uh, a day of celebration and joy, might we not forget that it's your birthday that we celebrate, that it's your life that gives us the reason for this season. And we just welcome you to be exalted and glorified in each of our lives. We love you. Te adoremos. We adore you, O God, for the glory of your Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Merry Christmas to you all and to all a good night.